If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Silva Dvorak. Dr. Silva is a holistic counselor, social entrepreneur, and author who maintains a private counseling practice while serving as the chief inspiration officer and executive director of the I Am Foundation. Wow, that's powerful. With a PhD in psychoneurology, Silva, a mind-body specialist that is able to guide her clients to create new neural pathways using specific processes to establish a basis of harmony that can transform their well-being on every level. As an author, she has published numerous articles, contributed to several books, and is the co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Your Hidden Riches. Okay, right here. I got it right here. (laughs) Your Hidden Riches, Unleashing the Power of Ritual to Create a Life of Meaning and Purpose. Welcome, Silva. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. yeah, you know, Silva and I are friends. So and she's just a rock star. She's so amazing. So sometimes, you know, you can have someone so close to you and not realize what a gem you have as a friend. <laughs> and <laughs> Silva is one of those people. And I can't wait to get to know her even more. And we first connected at a community potluck. We both had little girls and our girls were playing. And I convinced her to join Girl Scouts so our girls get to play even more together. So that was really fun. Yeah, and I'm so happy we did. We love the troop. Thank you for being a troop leader. Zoe, my daughter, is loving it, um, earning those badges. So, and, um, you know, doing so many wonderful things with girls together, you know, learning so many things together. Yeah, I agree. It's really been amazing. Yeah, I had to start a troop because there wasn't one that had availability in my area. So so we've got a great group of parents and girls and just uplifting girls, empowering them, giving them new experiences. So it's just it's just wonderful. So I wanted to explore a question in relation to your book. Do you feel that everyone has hidden riches? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I believe that um, everyone has riches that may be not so hidden and riches that may be hidden. And, um, you know, our life's journey is to unveil those riches for us. Of course, riches is a kind of a broad word. Um, but riches Yeah, what can- do you consider riches? Because I feel like there's something profound there. Mm-hmm. How you define it? Well, riches could be anything from the special um, talents or gifts we may have. 
um, that we are allowed to, um, you know, that we hope in our life we can reveal, to also our um, divine destiny. I believe everyone has a divine destiny, and life is very rich when we are aligned with that destiny, and life is so much more joyful, um, goes um, with much more flow when we're aligned with that destiny, which is really the richness of life. You know, we experience the richness of life much more that way. Yeah. So when we realize our destiny, do you feel like that alignment makes us aware that it is our rich, like we're rich or it is a hidden riches that we haven't discovered? Well, I would say so, because when we discover that, I think we live much life much more in flow, like I was saying, and much more joy and happiness. And I think that's what we all want, is we want to have more love, more joy, more peace, more abundance, really, in every aspect of our life. And um, to be in that flow and in, in that creation of our life um, by aligning with what is our destiny and our, our joy um, really is a much more rich life. Mm. So how can we find our destiny or does it find us? Um, maybe it's a combination of both, but it really depends on, you know, with how we're listening to that, mm. uh, to ourselves and our destiny, because um, I don't think it's, it's not really taught in school. <laughs> Yeah. It's not really taught in school that we all have or that it. it's important, right? Or that it's important or that we have this amazing gift and talents and destiny. And uh, so I think some come to it, maybe like Celine Dion out of the shoot. There she is with her divine destiny, that incredible <laughs> voice, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's yeah. probably, I don't know what smallest percentage of that would be of our population, but there's there's maybe some of those. And then there's those who have to go through several journeys in life and experiences, um, and sometimes even experiencing some pain in order to discover that I want to do something different. But certainly in my life, that's been the case, you know, to just, I want to do something different. I want to be more connected to really what fulfills me, what brings me that joy mm-hmm. um, that I know with my inner knowing that I'm on the right path it might be not be the ultimate in that moment but I know I'm on that path yeah. mm. is that the the pull and the feeling that you had to have a child do you feel like that was your destiny calling you yes absolutely I would say so um like I had this inner knowing from a pretty young age that I I wanted to be a mom um and I think that through whatever life circumstances that didn't come, I would say all that easily. Mm-hmm. And that at some point I realized that I really need to focus on it. And this is what I really want. As a matter of fact, it was in my heart's calling. I went very deep into whether or not to be a mom. And I felt that this was my heart's calling. In other words, that it was my destiny mm. um, to be a mom. I didn't know how. Um, I became very open to that creation in my life um, and, you know, went on a long journey of to become a mom and motherhood. Um, and it was perfect. I can't say it was easy. But I'd say it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And, and that really takes courage to do what you did because you had to sacrifice some things in your life, right? For sure. I think I had to really, um, you know, I'm a single mom. So it happened that I ended up being a single mom. Uh, Not that that's what I necessarily intended out being. Um, 
but that's ended up what it ended up being. And so um, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, you have to do a certain amount of readjustment in your life in order to make that happen. And so I was on a trajectory actually after writing our book, book. you know, interesting. Yeah. That was was, your book baby. And then you wanted to have it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, It was like this birthing, you know, book and, uh, that really took me to the birthing of my daughter, you know, and the creation of our life together. And, uh, and so I had to step back from certain things at that point in my life in order to make that happen. Yeah. And also to create a life that would, um, I felt was right for us more ease, even moving here to Colorado, you know, was part of that to just pull my earring out, (laughs) you know, was part of that really. Um, So that she could have a life that is much more, I don't know, natural in nature, more connected to the earth uh, community, which I love here, um, you know, that we have here. Um, Certainly, um, you know, even that had to to create that change in order to create a little bit more ease as a as a single mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you really have to put in a lot of effort for community, especially after COVID, it's like you have to create that community around you for your child and for everyone to uplift each other. That's right. So I luckily I met a mom like you. <laughs> Connected Yay, to the I get community. to be part of it. Yes, for sure. And, yeah. you know, and then also the community, you know, that, um, you know, we're both involved here, you know, that that community and then the school community and then you kind of find that community that you feel you you connect with more I mean some of it I'm still figuring out I'm still new you're newer in this community um yeah how long have you been here uh so it's what is it so it's a year and four months Mm -hmm. yeah that's very new yeah so still figuring it out but it, it feels right at this point you know although this cold weather is making me think where do I go where do we go for the winners like oh my gosh, well, and I know where you live. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Silva, you've lived. Okay, what are the most amazing places you've lived? I've lived. Um, well, I've traveled to so many amazing places, but I would say that you know, uh, Colorado was the first place that uh, my family lived when oh. we came to this country. Oh wow! I would love my, to hear your story. Yeah, my heart to- has been always here. Oh, that's you know, so Colorado. It's kind wow. of, I feel like I've come circ- full circle mm-hmm. um, in coming back here to this first home, um, which was mm-hmm. Littleton, Colorado, when it was littler and I was littler. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, um, and I've been coming back to Colorado many years on my own, spending time in the mountains, a lot of time in the mountains, hiking, um, camping, many years doing that. And so I feel Colorado like is a real home for me, the state and the the kind of the energy of here in the surrounding states. So um, I'm not sure where that question led, but that's <laughs> where we are in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. And what about some of the other places you've lived? Like you lived in LA, right? And I lived in Los Angeles. I lived in San Diego, lived in Michigan, several places, mm-hmm. originally from um, what is now the Czech Republic. Of course, so um, that's, that's based, those are basically the states that I've lived in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I lived in LA a long time too. There's so many diverse parts of LA. 
Um, but I felt called to move here about five years ago because I thought it would be a better life for my family and they could play out in the neighborhood, play out on the streets. And I didn't feel like they could do that. Maybe I'm a helicopter mom, but I didn't feel that safe with our kids playing alone, at least around our neighborhood. Right. So I'm really happy with the move and everything. I just miss the ocean. The ocean sometimes calls me and I'm, I have to take a vacation somewhere, <laughs> you know, and me too. You know, the nice thing is there's so much water here. I and know the- there is, you're right. You know, the lakes are phenomenal in the mountain lakes or the reservoirs even, but even the, the lakes are so incredible, the streams and the rivers. So kind of connects that to me, but we just got back from California, drove up the coast, oh. uh, you know, up the 101 and all the way up the coast. It was so beautiful. And uh, it was so nice to see that again. And, and, you know, you can always go back and drive that coast or be on that beach if you need to. <laughs> It's a 16-hour drive, too, if we wanted to drive it rather than fly. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. It's like, you know, you forget sometimes how close things are. I mean, I think 16 hours is a little bit long, but relatively speaking, it's not too bad. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me about your journey, your personal journey, like when you were a child, what, what happened that shifted your perception of life? Um, You know, there's so many things I would say. Uh, You know, from a very young age, I was aware of there was something more than just this physical body. Really? So you had, did you have abilities? Yeah, I I would say so, but I didn't really have any words to um, describe those abilities. I didn't really know what they really were in a sense. I knew them, knew that something was happening, that I was experiencing. I was having certain experiences, but I didn't really have any words to frame them. Now being, I was smuggled into a a church by uh, my grandmother to be baptized. Um, And why were you smuggled into the church? Because under the Soviet occupation, you don't really, you know, only the elderly were going into churches. Um, it is not um, something that is really, you could say, allowed. Um, oh. So under communism. Um, and so. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, different, maybe a little bit different, more different these days, of course, and some of the revolutions, but certainly at that time when, you know, there was still in this Eastern Europe and the Soviet occupation of so many of the countries there. And so my grandmother um, hid me under her, um, she was blind. So, you know, for her to go to church care, you know, she was blind and she, um, she hid me and I got baptized. Um, So, you know, up until I would say around 13, I was um, in the Catholic church by religion, meaning going to church that way once my family came to the United States. Um, but from a young age, I was um, having certain experiences that told me that there was something more beyond beyond this uh, physical body. Uh, and then about the age of 13, I had a, um, you could call it a uh, going through the light experience. And so Did people talk, die? no. So people talk about them through a death experience. I did not experience it through it. It was, I, I experienced it through a spontaneous experience. That's um, incredible. Yeah. And so I didn't really, 
um, I never really talked about this. I still rarely talk about it. So you're getting it out of me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like my destiny. That's my destiny to hear this like incredible yeah. experience. Yeah. And so I actually never really told anyone. Um, it's hard to put words to that experience as you might hear, uh, have heard others. If you've ever listened to like those death experiences, you know, it's hard to almost put words mm. on that because there's such a limitation in the language to describe like love beyond love, peace beyond yeah. peace, joy beyond joy, like the English so language. Yeah. It's so limiting in the experience. Yeah. They don't and give it I, justice. Amazing. No. And so when I, I don't even know how long it lasted, but when I came back within myself, um, I had this thought that I needed to really explore um, spirit and religion. And um, because I thought then maybe I was like missing out on something, like maybe there was something more. And so I started studying, um, really dove deep into the Bible, read the Bible completely, um, dove deep into so many religions. Um, I've been baptized, I always say, and probably every <laughs> religion, because I thought if there was, if I needed to be baptized and saved, that I better, better be baptized, you know, and so in all of them, um, because I was just really exploring um, what, what else was there. And I thought I had to give it some sort of a structure, um, which was interesting. Cause I had that, I came from a, the experience of no, if I can say structure purely through experience. And then I thought I had to create, find some sort of structure to find the meaning. Um, and, uh, that gave me that opportunity to explore, um, so many religions and philosophies, um, then when I was 17 years old, I read Jung's Memories, Dreams, Reflections. And for the first time, I had language for the experiences that I'd been having my whole life. Um, this whole, you know, transpersonal, trans self-transformation, um, spiritual experiences, which I didn't even know that's what they were. You know, I was like, I mean, I knew, but I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, because nobody talks about them. Nobody talks about, I certainly wouldn't have talked about it with my own family. Um, and, and then that dove me much deeper into, I would say, Eastern philosophies. I would, starting with, um, um, reading Yogananda's book, Autobiography of a Yogi, and um, and then kind of going deep into some ancient scriptures and studies and, and so on. So that's been the journey from there. <laughs> wow, that's so profound. And a lot of that journey maybe give, gave you some insight for your book, Your Hidden Riches, so why did you want to write it? Why was it an important topic that you wanted to bring to humanity? Um, you know, one thing, if you don't mind, I'll say about those experiences I was having as a um, as a child is I think that I don't mind. Yeah, please. Thank you. I think that they helped me. Um, they helped me to be able to cope with so much that had happened as a child. Um, that that was um, a grounding force for me. And I believe that for everyone, if we can find that place, we don't have to label it a certain way, that that's truly um, where we can find ourselves much more grounded in connection to ourselves and to others, which hence takes me to our, to our book. Um, yeah, why? Well, I met Janet, um, I don't know how many years ago now, but 
Um, I met Janet when she was writing her first book, The Passion Test. Yeah, that's um, Janet Atwood. Janet, Janet Atwood, yeah. And I um, I was going through a major transformation in my life again. And, and we became friends. And then over the course of that time, then as we got to know each other and then her business partner, her former husband, um, Chris Atwood, and then her business partner, um, we had this common connection and that we love doing ritual together. Mm. And so all of us had had a very devotional life at some point for many years, I would say minimum of a very, 10 years of what I would call like a very devotional life. In other words, we immersed ourselves um, into deep study, into deep ritual, um, into our own spiritual lives into our spiritual paths. And there's was, that was a common thread. And so with Janet and I, um, we love doing ritual together. And, uh, she, you know, she had the idea that let's write a book on ritual. I mean, this is what we do. This is more fun. We love to do this together. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I said, sure. Um, by then she heard your first book was a New York times bestseller. I said, sure. <laughs> um, now just, um, and then Chris was later asked her to come in and, and, and you know, co uh, authored the book with us. But just so you know, I had done a ritual prior to even her asking me um, about um, joining her to write the book. And I had created a vision board. And wow, on my vision board, I had put the words New York Times bestselling author. Oh, my God. You're now, I thought that would be a hoot. Now, I thought that would be a hoot only because here I am. English is my second language. You know, I um, and I thought, well, what would I want to do in life? What would be so cool? And I thought, well, to be a New York Times bestselling author, why not just put it out there? Right. I have nothing to lose. Yeah, so I have these yeah. letters, New York Times. I wish I had a picture of it. Maybe somewhere I do. But um, New York Times bestselling author. And so um, we ended up writing um, this book together, which took us on a whole journey of um, for each of us on the meaning of ritual. Now, for me, I did all the research, primarily all the research for the book, a lot of the stories um, in the book, a lot of the interviews for the book. Um, that was my uh, my passion. I really wanted to dive deep, deep into the knowledge of ritual, uh, maybe from the beginning of time. And, um, and then interview amazing people and science, researchers, I should say, and people you know, that do rituals in different forms. And um, a lot of it and also ended up on the cutting, you know, they call it on that cutting room floor, maybe one day, you know, some of it'll be in another book, but um, a lot of there's a lot of stories, you know, other stories, because you can only put so much in wow. your first, you know, one book. Yeah. So people read it. <laughs> and so, um, and we did a lot of ritual to create the book. We did a lot of, we did ritual to um, attract our agent. We did ritual to, um, to um, support us in it becoming a New York Times bestselling author. So it was like ritual from beginning to end in regards to that, the book. And it took three years, actually. I thought it would take one year. It took three years. Yeah. To complete from beginning to end. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So what does ritual mean to you? Well, you know, ritual um, for some people can have almost like a negative, you know, negative. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, or like a negative the dark side, a dark ritual. 
when yeah. in fact ritual um has been around what since maybe 70,000 years um they traced it from cave drawings um in Botswana and Africa it could be even later than that um meaning maybe even up to like 90,000 years prior to that from the research I did. Um, so ritual has been around, you could say, almost from the beginning of man, you know, on our planet and homo sapien anyway. And so, um, and so we tried to come up with a definition, which wasn't so easy <laughs> because, um, but yet it was really important. It took us a really long time to come up with a succinct definition of ritual and so that it would be distinct from what we would call habit. Ah. Um, so ritual is a conscious intentional act you choose to make habitual. A conscious intentional act you choose to make habitual. Ah. So a habit could be like... um say brushing our teeth you know mm -hmm. or getting up in the morning going to the bathroom and then um, without even thinking then we have a cup of tea and coffee and the day begins right so that's that's like habit it's automatic right that's habit mm -hmm. um, ritual is when you add meaning to something in other words you add that consciousness so that it adds that presence to what you are doing so for example if you um, get up in the morning and you say some gratitudes, which I do first thing in the morning when I before when I open my eyes, trained myself to to automatically go into that. Now it becomes a ritual. So my morning getting up is now a ritual. I do certain ritualistic things in the morning to set my day in a certain way, so that I feel really good in the day. But for me, it's mostly to feel connected, to feel a deeper sense of peace, a deeper connection, which is really important for me and how I want to feel during the day. So it has much more my day has much more meaning and so rituals add a lot more meaning to our life and so if you think about it anything really important that we could have in our life our lives um has ritual in it marriage having a baby even say transitions death there's a lot of ritual that's around these like um times in our life that adds more meaning to it and so by adding ritual to our our life and our daily life not only we add a lot of meaning to our life but that's through that consciousness and that presence um, that we create in our life yeah that's amazing and it's so interesting the way you contrast habits and ritual because i always think that a ritual is a, a ceremony connect to to connect with the divine within you to co-create with the universe and manifest something so I, I always thought ritual was very sacred and like a special thing to only do once in a while and and the way you're framing it is that, you can make a habit sacred and meaningful, right? Well, we can have what we call everyday rituals and then what we would call ceremonial rituals. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so everyday rituals would be more of what I described to you. And then um, in my research on rituals, then there would be those that we would call maybe more of a ceremonial type of rituals, um, which then um, 
cultures, traditions, mm -hmm. religions have. And there's this common thread in my study of ritual that those type of rituals um, entail to create even more depth or meaning, you could say, or more connection to that divine, that sacred. Some may not define that word. In other words, use divine or sacred, but we could call it presence in That's order for that creation to be um, to happen. Um, and so there are two, I, I would say that, you know, when we were trying to define it and distinguish it, we came up with two ways to think about ritual. One would be like the everyday, let me be present to my sipping of my tea, you know, to be present to yeah. my getting up in the morning or taking yeah. a shower. That's to like mindfulness too. Mindfulness. About that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the rituals that then would be more, um, I guess you could say involved, um, ceremonial type of rituals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are the, uh, aspects of a ceremonial ritual? I, I mean, it feels very powerful and, and especially you're sharing your own experience where you did rituals for the book and it manifested like amazing results. It's incredible. So yeah. What are some aspects of ceremonial rituals? Well, in the research that I did on ritual, there's really seven, um, there's a common thread. This is not absolute for every kind of ceremonial ritual. Some may have certain elements, some might have other elements, but what I found is a common thread of um, that happens to create um, something that we would call more of a ceremonial ritual. Those that, that have even more perhaps meaning um, um, for us in our life um, and that have been um, done across cultures and traditions for thousands of years. The first is that um, these type of ceremonial rituals begin with an intention. So why are we doing this intention? Maybe it's to create more community, more connection. Maybe it is to um, bring in rain. Mm. Maybe it is to rain uh, dance, a rain dance, right? Maybe the, maybe it is to um, mark an occasion um, in, in, of something that's happened within the community or that we want to experience. And so intention is number one. Number two is what's called, um, um, it's called um, purification. So we call it um, preparation. I always forget the preparation, but it's important. Preparation and purification. And um, that just means we're preparing the space. We're purifying the space. And that could be as simple as like cleaning out the space you're going to have the, the ritual in. Um, dusting off maybe if you have an altar. Or it could be preparing the space in some way so um, that it's more of that special space. Uh, maybe sacred space we could call. Um, the next would be um, to um, use um, symbols. So symbols would be to have things in that space that um, that have meaning for us. And that could be like anything like a special stone or a crystal. It could be a picture of someone. Some, you know, some people have teachers. It could be like their um, teacher picture, like the Dalai Lama or Jesus, whatever has meaning again to them to have those sim um, those symbols there in that space. It could be it could even be flowers. You know they might be symbolic as well or like stones. Um, then would be engaging the senses.
senses. Um, engaging the senses um, is really important um, because we want to um, engage as many senses as possible to signal. See, all of this is done to signal to the mind that something different is about to happen. We are creating presence in order to activate that ritual, we could say. We can engage the senses by wearing a special, I'd say, shawl or wrap that they do in some traditions. We can engage the senses by um, perhaps lighting a candle. It could be a scented candle or incense. Um, we can engage the senses in different ways to, again, kind of um, signal to the mind that something different, something special is about to happen. And then... Um, what's needed next is um, repetition. So repetition is really, really important because um, we need to repeat certain things um, in order for that to be a ritual. And that could be um, the way that in that ritual that you move, um, for example, um, your feet on the ground, it could be um, using music, um, instruments in some way. Um, it has to be um, kind of like a prescribed, well, this is like a prescribed performance that then creates that repetition. So we have prescribed performance. There's like a, a way that it happens. Then it's the repetition um, that um, needs to happen in order for it to really integrate within us. And then it's connecting to the unseen. So that's the last part of it. When we engage our senses, when we use symbols, when we use intentions, when we use purification, um, repetition, um, what happens is our mind um, is now more present, um, creates a space within to connect to that unseen place, we call it, um, which is more presence, uh, maybe peace within, more silence, which is where really most of creation comes from. Mm -hmm. In ancient scriptures, it says that 75% of our world is in the unseen, and only 25% of our world is in the senses. But it's not so easy to tap into that unseen unless we do something to be create that unseen, which is where all our superpowers come from, we could call it. You know, but we forget that we are, we have such superpowers, and then we are mostly responding by our senses to the external of our world, um, and making our world much harder. Um, versus if we learn how to tap into that unseen, and that superpower that we all have. And this is the purpose of those, one of the purposes of the ceremonial rituals is to be able to really tap to that unseen world. Wow, that's so powerful. And what are some of the symbols that you talk about that would be powerful for that? Well, it really depends. One thing about ritual is that it has to have meaning for you. So something okay. that would be meaningful for me may not be as meaningful for you. Oh, right. And some of it could be from lineage. So a tradition, there might be a tradition. So whether it's like a Hebrew tradition or a Christian tradition, or it could be a, uh, a generational family tradition, you know, or a holiday tradition, they have different symbols in your family versus my family, right? My family may have different symbols for it that have meaning versus say wow. your family or from the traditions that we come from. I see what you mean. Traditions. So main thing is, is that it has meaning. Yeah, that makes you. sense. I was thinking of like literal symbols, like a triangle or, you know, uh -huh. sacred geometry or, you know, Metatron. I, I was just curious about that. So I see what you, you could. Mean. 
No, yeah. it could. If that had meaning. That's meaning. Yeah. yeah. Then for sure that could be there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, how can a ritual help a person with any challenge that they're having in their life? Um, well, rituals um, help us to get more present. Um, the rituals help us to be more grounded, to not be so um, caught up in whatever that trial um, may be. Uh-huh. It may be to take a little short break <laughs> from whatever is um, happening to go within and to see if we can get some guidance, our inner wisdom, tap into our win- inner wisdom to help us move through that challenge. If not, and if nothing else, to help us manage the stress and anxiety in our life, you know, that's so many these days, which is epidemic, right? Um, in our world these days. And so ritual is extremely important, I think, for helping us to, um, find that place of, um, more connection, more presence, um, to ourselves, perhaps to others, depending on what it may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you apply any of this or give your clients advice to do rituals to help them? Or do you keep that a little bit separate in as far not as your all. counseling business? Okay. No, not at all. It's there from the beginning because it's not not associated with any, it's not like a, it's not associated with any sort of tradition. It's or Or religion or anything. Yeah, yeah, totally. Ritual is like um, for our everyday life. Um, We all want more meaning or joy or peace or love or presence or help with say stress or whatever it may be so something simple like breathing techniques and mindfulness practices are ritual practices mm. um, one of the things that I prescribe to most of my clients is to find three pieces of music that make them feel good make them feel calm um, it can't have any past memory association because our memory works by linkages um, and so we can very quickly have one thought and be in a rabbit hole we don't want to be in with our mind, you know, so we want to um, connect it to music that doesn't have a memory connection. Um, and that's more around, say, 432 megahertz. Um, that's calming for the nervous system. And to listen to those three pieces of music first thing in the morning as best as one can. Um, and dance, so that- maybe. If you feel like it would be great. Yeah. If one feels like it at first thing in the morning and the music, um, it could be like when you're getting ready in the bathroom or say driving to work or having breakfast. Um, A lot of my clients love it so much that they make a playlist and they listen to that, their playlist with their family, like on Spotify, they might make a playlist. Um, Certainly that's in my home, um, you know, every single day. Um, but music is particularly effective in helping one create more presence um, or peace within or silence or, or joy, we could say, depending on the music you're choosing, is because it's a whole brain experience. So it's one of the few, few tools that we have that um, imprints, you could say, on the both hemispheres of the brain. Therefore, it elicits emotion and feeling um, very, very quickly. And we want to connect to emotion and feeling in the direction we want to go. So music is very, um, can do that very, very quickly. Okay. So think about it. You listen to a piece of music and you feel right away mm-hmm. something, right? Yeah. Uh, now, the only thing about the music in this case of what I'm talking about, it has to be rhythmic music. Um, let's say spa music, light jazz. Um, it can't be discordant. Not that those people like oh. hip hop or rap, and it's not that they are not 
fabulous pieces of music. It's just, they're not calming necessarily to the nervous system. So it has to be music that is like um, chanting from different traditions, um, Native American flute, um, uh, you know, music and that's more rhythmic and calming than just. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for some reason you're frozen. I don't know if maybe it's my- So that's what- no, I'm not seeing that. So, oh, good. Okay. I can just edit that out. Okay. Now, um, and then I give my clients rituals, um, depending on, you know, what they're open to, of course, and what they want, but, um, in so many different ways to help them manage, um, whatever is going on within their life. And so absolutely. And I would say I haven't had one client complain or say that it didn't help them or as long as they tried it, you know what I mean? Yeah. They had to try it, implement it. Um, as a matter of fact, most of my clients love it. Absolutely love it because they notice right away the difference that it makes in their life. Well, that's incredible. So I know you have a lot of different techniques that you talked about, the ritual and breathing. What is specifically the reverse breathing or the mind stopping breathing technique? Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, so um, this breathing technique is an ancient breathing technique. Um, wow. We call it my, um, I think the pronunciation is Nefeshehavsaka, but don't quote me on that. Shouldn't be recorded. Maybe it should be, <laughs> okay. we call it mind, stop, mind stoppage breathing technique. Um, and it's a very powerful breathing technique um, that can be done anywhere. So unlike some breathing technique that you might have to use your hand, or, which is their great breathing techniques, nothing wrong with them. This one you could do, let's say, you, you know, you're in a meeting and you could still do it and someone wouldn't know. You know, and so it's a that's the nice thing about this breathing technique, but it's also probably one of the most effective breathing techniques um, that I think um, for doing um, something with our mind. And I'll describe it to you and you can try it with me and okay. then tell me what you think. Tell me what you okay. think and what you experience. How's that? Okay. okay. All right. I hope I so hope don't get it. You will. So <laughs> for sure. So I'm going to describe it and then we'll do it together and then I'll have you pace yourself. Okay. So okay. here's, here's how it goes. The most important thing to remember about this breathing technique is that it's all done through the nose and you don't inhale before you exhale. Okay. So, um, how I teach this to clients is the first time that you do this breathing technique, you don't have to do this after the, after today, but just to get into the rhythm of understanding how it works, I'm going to have you go la, 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 la. And at some point I'm going to say, okay, stop, close your mouth and exhale through your nose. Okay. Now in this breathing technique, nothing is forced. So it's not like, okay. Cause that's yeah. not very relaxing. Okay. So you want to just stop, exhale through your nose, keeping your mouth closed. Then you're going to hold your breath for a little bit. And then you're going to keep your mouth closed and inhale through your nose. Okay. That's it. That's how, so as long as you start off correctly and you remember, it's only the nose that you use, then you've got it. Okay. okay. All right. So go ahead and start the la, 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 Nice and gentle. Slowly exhale through the nose. Keep your mouth closed. 
Doing great. Hold it just a little bit longer. Slowly inhale through the nose. And slowly exhale. Holding the breath. Slowly inhale. Suspend the breath at the top just for a split second. Suspend and exhale slowly through the nose. Now do a couple on your own. Good. Very good. How'd that go? Oh, it was good. It's, it's relaxing. What is the purpose of it? Well, tell me, what did you notice? I noticed that all my thoughts, worries, everything was gone. I was completely present and thinking about that process. Yeah. And so that's right. And so um, our thinking is patterned with our breathing. So inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, thought, 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 thought. When, you know, 4,000 a minute or whatever we have, you know, um, when we, when we reverse breathe, um, what happens is we, we change our pattern of breathing. Therefore thought doesn't have the place to attach to breath. And therefore um, our thinking mind really slows down. Mm. And when our thinking mind really slows down, we're much calmer, which much more peaceful because it's our thinking mind that creates so much stress and this ah. kind of going with our mind. So it's a fabulous breathing technique um, to do anytime you're feeling stressed or anxious, just to throw, slow down that thinking mind. But of course, anytime you know, like, let's say you're about to start a mindfulness practice, one of the fastest way to slow down, like if you're going to use a breathing technique is to use this breathing technique, let's say before meditation or prayer or whatever one may do to really slow down that thinking mind so that you can drop into that, say, meditative space or mindfulness space um, faster, easier. So that's why it's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I was looking on your website and I found that and I was like, oh, I have to ask about oh, I was wondering where you saw that. I'm like, did I ever share that? Like, I was no, you didn't share it, but I did. Yeah, I you found did it. You dug in there. So do you have a success story you'd like to share from a client? Um, I'm just trying to think of um, which one. Um you know, for your viewers, um, or listeners, I should say, yeah. or viewers, um, there's just, um, so many, um, and, you know, in the last few years, there's just been so much anxiety and stress in our world with everything that's happening. It doesn't seem to ease off too much, you know? And so I would say that, um, a large portion of my clients come to me because they're going through some sort of life transition or a stressor, we could call it, or anxiety. I could certainly give you examples of those who've been in some sort of a health crisis or situation where, um, you know, this type of work, um, and has really helped them. But, um, I would say that so many clients in the last few years with anxiety and stress, 
um, by helping them to create rituals in their life. Of course, maybe we need to re, um, um, reprogram some um, neuropathways from traumas or something like that, or past memories yeah. or something, or phobias or whatever it may be. But really, of it's course, the course you make it sound so like, oh, you can oh. do it like snap. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna say that sometimes faster than others. See, but, if you see well, that, because so some much. people have those, but you know, I mean, of course, yeah. And so, and then what happens is we have a trauma, and then oftentimes there's a repetition of that. We repeat yes. it in certain ways. So if you unwind through that, um, from that, and then um, you you integrate practices like rituals into your life, the shifts that can happen in one's life are so much faster. Um, you know, I always say my success is when my clients don't need me. So that's um, that my my goal is to really help them give the tools, the resources within them so that they have what they need um, to create that more ease and peace and joy in their life, which helps with anything that they want to create in their life. Um, so, um, you know, I'm just trying to think of any specific, but that's just like a general with so many that's clients. Fine. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, where that fine. anxiety thread has been, um, been there. And once they were able to repattern that stress and anxiety, how it shifted their life. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So what's next for you? Uh, next for me? Um, well, there's a lot of things next for me. <laughs> Hopefully. Adventure? No. Yeah, some adventure for sure. <laughs> um. I'm in a really good place. I feel like the next phase is coming in my life. Um, I have a book in mind um, to write. I want to really expand my work. Um, I think the hardest part for my work and the work that I do is um, I want to help so many more people and support so many people that feel connected to the type of work that I do. Um, it's limited in the way that I do it now. So I'm coming up with ways to expand that. Um, and that's really next um, as far as that goes, you know, my work goes, um, and, um, just having a lot more fun and my own rituals getting, um, last few years have been a lot of changes between becoming a mom and, um, and moving. And so now getting even deeper into my own rituals, into my own practices is really calling to me right now too. That that's wonderful. And taking that time for yourself, honoring yourself. That's right. Yes. You know, I'm up really early and it's, for me, it's bookends. I have to start my day that way and, and, end my day that way. And then it feels like a really awesome day. <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure hearing Thank about you. your book, your hidden riches, unleashing the power of ritual to build a, and create a life of meaning and purpose. So I'll put your website and how to buy your book in the show notes. So thanks for being so thank you, thank thank you so much, much for having me i so appreciate you thank you that's it for today's episode of zen success head on over to itunes google play spotify or wherever you listen to shows zen success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen success journey and join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.